series called kickstart everybody say kickstart kickstart means to accelerate and to gain momentum quickly and that's exactly what we want to do in this new year we want to have a kickstart to our faith and we want to gain ground quickly for the lord in this year and today we're going to talk about how to kickstart our faith how to start right personally. Next week, we're going to talk about family and what the Bible has to say about uh, raising children and what the family should look like according to a biblical model. And then the following week, we're going to talk about biblical community and how to kickstart our faith in that area. And so I'm looking forward to that. But today in Mark chapter 2, verse number 18, and if you are ready to dive into God's word today, would you say ready? All right, verse number 18. It says this, and the disciples of John and of the Pharisees used to fast. And they come and say unto him, why do the disciples of John and the Pharisees fast, but thy disciples fast not? And Jesus said unto them, can the children of the bride chamber fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, and then shall they fast in those days. No man also soweth a piece of new cloth on an old garment, else the new piece that filled it up taketh away from the old, and the rent is made worse. And no man putteth new wine into old bottles, else the new wine doth burst, doth burst the bottles, and the wine is spilled, and the bottles will be marred, but new wine must be put into new bottles. Verse 23. And it came to pass that when he went to the cornfields on the Sabbath day, and his disciples began as they went to pluck the ears of the corn. And the Pharisees said unto him, Behold, why do they on the Sabbath day do that which is not lawful? And he said unto them, Have you never read what David did when he had need and was in hunger, he and all they that were with him? How he went into the house of God in the days of Abiathar the high priest and did eat the showbread, which is not lawful to eat but for the priests, and gave also to them which were with him? And he, saith, and he said unto them, The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. Today, I want to bring a message in this 11 o'clock service on Vision Sunday that I'm calling this, an update is available. An update is available. Let's have a word of prayer together this morning. God, thank you so much for this day that you've given us. God, thank you that we can come together and worship you on a weekly basis. God, thank you that our worship is not confined to a location, but that we can boldly approach the throne of grace wherever we may be. But God, we are especially grateful for the house of God, the church of the living God. God, we're so thankful that we can come together corporately to worship you and to honor the Lord's day, to honor your resurrection. And God, I pray that today we can look to your word and that we can understand some biblical principles that can help us kickstart our faith, that we can start this new year in a way that is pleasing, honoring, and glorifying to you. We love you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, how many of you this morning are iPhone users? Can I see your hands, iPhone? How many of you are something else? You're Android, you're, you're something else, okay? And uh, I have an iPhone, and I constantly get 
notifications on my phone. I constantly get notifications on my watch. How many of you have ever received an unnecessary notification? Anybody like that? On my watch, I get reminders frequently, reminders to stand, reminders to walk, even reminders to breathe, okay? Uh, the other day, I got a reminder to reflect. Has anybody got that notification before? You need to take a, take a minute and reflect. And while I'm thankful for those prompts, I think that I would remember to do some of those things without the notification coming through on my phone. Uh, but there's one notification that I get regularly on my phone, and the notification says, an update is available. How many of you have ever received that notification? An update is available. And there are certain criteria that you have to meet in order to download and install that new software. You have to make sure that you have enough space available on your phone. You have to make sure that your phone's plugged in and you have the time in order to install this. And most of the time, we install that software update, not because we're very interested in the update. We just want to get rid of that pesky notification, right? We just want to get rid of that notification. I think my wife, Katie, would never update her phone if I didn't do it for her. And I have to come and constantly help update her phone. We come to Mark chapter 2 this morning, and it's a very powerful section in the Gospel of Mark. And Jesus is going to tell the Pharisees and the religious leaders that they are operating on old, outdated software. He's going to give this powerful message to the Pharisees and the religious leaders who were trying to live according to the Old Testament law while rejecting the New Testament message of Jesus and of grace. They were trying to operate according to an old, outdated software, a religious, works-based system. By the way, millions of people today are trying to function and operate on that same system. Where they're trying to find salvation and they're trying to live according to a works-based, performance-based, what-I-can-bring-to-the-table-based uh, type of religion. And Jesus came and he was saying, there's an update available. The message of the gospel is that there is an update available. There is new life in Christ that is available. There is grace that is available. Is anybody thankful today that Jesus came to give an update to say, hey, there is grace that is available? And this is great news for us in the new year that we can function and operate not uh, according to that old, outdated operating system, but that we can walk in the Spirit according to the grace that Jesus has granted us. The Bible says this in Romans 6.14, for sin shall not have dominion over you. By the way, that is a message that somebody needs to hear on the first Sunday of 2022, that sin shall not have dominion over you. That you can walk in freedom, that you can uh, walk with purpose, and that you can conquer the sin uh, that is in your life, not according to your own strength, but according to the power of the Holy Spirit that lives within you. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Now, uh, the law served a purpose. The Bible says that the law was our schoolmaster. It, it, it taught us some things. It pointed out our inability to keep the law. The law uh, showed us that we, in our own strength, could never keep the law, and we need a Savior. And Jesus came, and he fulfilled the law. And when Jesus fulfilled the law, he gave a whole new way to live, a whole new way to experience life. The Bible puts it this way in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Everybody say new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I'm thankful today that when Jesus came, he didn't just give us um, an improvement on life. He didn't just give us uh, a few perks in following him. He gave us life brand new. Out with the old, in with the new. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. This is the new life that we have in Christ. 
This past year, as a church, we needed a couple of new computers, and we were trying to save some money, and so we went online, and we ordered some used computers, and uh, we did uh, some research on them, and we determined that they were the right speed, the right processor. They were fast enough for the needs that we needed at the church, but uh, they were a few years old, and we discovered that when we got those computers, they were too old to run the newest operating system uh, that, that Apple has to offer, and so we couldn't run the, the latest operating system, and as a result, everything that we need to do is slow, it's clunky, it's very frustrating, and I thought about that, and I thought, you know, so often people live with frustrated faith because they are trying to function on an old operating system known as their flesh. And so your faith is slow, it's clunky, it's frustrating, and we fail to realize there's a new way to live. There's a new way to operate with the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit of God. And if there was ever a time that we should learn to embrace this new life in Christ, it's today. Uh, On the start of this brand new year, Galatians 5.16 says, This I say, then walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And so today, as we begin this new year, begin this new series, I want to give us three ways this morning that we can kickstart our faith and enjoy the new life that Jesus has to offer. Would that be okay today? Three ways that we can kickstart our faith. Number one is this, find joy in the presence of Jesus. You can find joy in the presence of Jesus. For Christmas this year, I got this little Apple AirTag. Has anybody ever seen these before, these Apple AirTags? You can, you can stick it on almost anything, and you can track it wherever it goes. And so it comes in real handy if you're losing your keys a lot or losing the remote control, or you can just kind of stick that on there, and you always can know from your phone where this is. And so we got this, and we were playing with it, and I put it on some keys, and I gave it to my son, Luke, and I said, Luke, just go hide these in the house. And he went and hit them. And then with my phone, I could easily detect where it was, and I could easily locate it and find it using this Apple uh, AirTag. And I think it's interesting that in a culture that is obsessed with finding happiness and in a culture that is obsessed with trying to find joy on a personal level, I think it's interesting that the Bible tells us exactly where to find joy. We don't have to go on a big hunt and a big search to find joy. The Bible tells us exactly where it is. In Psalm chapter 16, verse number 11, it says this, Thou wilt show me the path of life in thy presence is fullness of joy. If you are looking for joy today, maybe 2021 was far from joy, and maybe today you are trying to start the new year right, and you're in church on the first Sunday of the year at the 11 o'clock service, and you're ready to move forward and and kickstart the year. If you are serious about joy, you must encounter the presence of God. You can't kickstart your faith without starting here, without prioritizing spending time with God. You say, how do I do that? Well, today on your way out, you're going to get a starter kit. And in that starter kit, there's a Bible reading schedule. And I want you to know that Bible reading schedule is not a religious duty to perform. That Bible reading schedule is a way to develop a relationship, a way to stay consistent and accountable in your walk with God, to every day spend time in God's word, reading, listening to God, praying, spending time with him, encountering his presence. Now, Jesus in Mark chapter 2 is going to talk about two ways in which we can do this, okay? Notice verse number 18. We're going to look at the first way. The first way is fasting, all right? Now, this morning in announcements, we talked a little bit about the Daniel fast, and we talked about what fasting means. Fasting is withholding something that we desire in order to concentrate on something that we desire more, okay? It's a way to deny ourselves and to deny the flesh so that we can concentrate on our walk with God. Notice verse number 18. Everybody with me? Notice verse 18. And the disciples of John 
You know, the Pharisees, the disciples of John are referring to the disciples, the followers of John the Baptist. Now, when John the baptizer came, he had a very serious and sobering message to repent. And so because this was a sobering message of repentance, his disciples would fast. And so it says, the disciples of John and the Pharisees used to fast. And they come and say unto him, why do the disciples of John and the Pharisees fast? But thy disciples, they fast not. And so the religious leaders looked at Jesus and they said, hey, John the Baptist's disciples, they fasted, and of course we fast, but why are your disciples? They're not fasting. You know, the Bible only says in one place that we are to fast. Fasting is only commanded one time biblically. It's in the Old Testament. We're commanded to fast in the Old Testament on the Day of Atonement. Well, the Pharisees, they wanted to elevate that, and they wanted to take it a step further. And so rather than just fasting once a year on the Day of Atonement, they would fast twice a week. Every Monday and every Thursday, they would fast. They would withhold. By the way, can you imagine not eating every Monday and every Thursday? Some of us get hangry after missing one meal, okay? Uh, Every Monday and Thursday, they would fast. They would withhold. And they were frustrated and upset because the disciples, they weren't fasting. And Jesus talked about the right motives when it comes to fasting. The Bible says this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 16. It says, moreover, when you fast. And so the implication is there will be times in your life when you should fast. There's not a certain uh, set of times the Bible says that you have to fast or when you have to fast, but it says when you do. The implication is there will be times when you are serious enough that you will withhold from yourself to hear from God. So when you fast, okay, whenever this is, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. And so the purpose of fasting is not to say, yeah, I'm fasting. It's really hard. It's such a struggle. And uh, the purpose of fasting is not to gain attention. The purpose of fasting is not just to talk about as much as we can to try to make ourselves look better. That's what the Pharisees did by fasting on Monday and Thursday. And so Jesus says it's not about trying to garner attention for yourself. He says, verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy father which is in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. And so Jesus was teaching that fasting biblically should be a sign of humility. It's a sign of of spiritual discipline, and it's a way to focus on God and his will for your life. And that's exactly why tomorrow we're starting the Daniel fast. On January 3rd, tomorrow, Monday, we're starting this fast. All the information is online. Uh, If you would like more information, we can email you. But we're going to withhold from certain things uh, in order to focus and ask God to do the miraculous in 2022, ask God to do something special on our anniversary Sunday at Rock Hill Conference. And so that's what this fast is all about. The Daniel fast is based on Daniel chapter 1, verse number 12. It says this, prove thy servants, I beseech thee, 10 days. And so we're doing the Daniel fast for 10 days based on this verse uh, for 10 days and let them give us pulse or uh, vegetables to eat and water to drink. And so for 10 days, we're going to withhold from uh, meat and sugar and bread and these things to focus on our walk with God. This is not something that you have to do, but for anyone that says, you know what, I want to focus spiritually and physically uh, on this new year and focus on the Lord. This is something that we're going to do. And by the way, this does not rob joy from us. This is not about uh, taking uh, joy from us. This is a way to really encounter God's presence. And when you encounter God's presence, what will you experience? The fullness of joy. And so uh, we're going to encounter God's presence, experience uh, the joy that only he can give through fasting. But then on the all, uh, all the way on the other side of the spectrum, we have feasting. Okay, and I want you to see it in the text. Feasting. So not only fasting, but now feasting. Everybody with me? Verse 16. 
Verse 16 says this, And when the scribes and the Pharisees saw him eat with the publicans and sinners, they said unto his disciples, How is it that he eateth and drinketh with the publicans and sinners? And so the reason the Pharisees and the religious leaders were so upset that the disciples weren't fasting is because they were over there feasting. Jesus was having a party at Levi's house. They were having a great time, and the Pharisees were over here. It was probably a Thursday, and they were probably hungry, and they were looking over at them having a party. And so uh, they were upset about this. And see, the Pharisees, it was really a joyless way of living. They would often just do things that would not bring joy. They would put ashes on their head. They would wear uncomfortable clothes. And, and essentially, if this was something that would bring you joy, they would, they would avoid it and not do it. By the way, that, that is a picture of barren religion. It's rules, it's regulations, it's you have to do this, and if you don't do this, you're not going to measure up and you should feel guilty about yourself. That is barren religion, but that is not what Jesus came to bring. He came to bring uh, a new way to live. An update is available, a way to experience joy in Christ. And so notice Jesus' response to their question in verse 19. And Jesus said unto them, can the children of the bride chamber fast? He's going to use this picture of a wedding celebration. Can the children of the bride chamber fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. Jesus said, it would be silly to fast at a wedding celebration, right? At a wedding celebration, that's the time to celebrate and to have joy. And when the bridegroom is here and Jesus was saying, I am the bridegroom, uh, there is no, no reason to fast in this moment because I'm here, I'm here with you. This was an example that they would have understood completely in the first century. Because in the first century culture, a Jewish wedding was a grand celebration, very different than our idea uh, of a wedding today in Western culture. Typically, we would have maybe a 20-minute service followed by a reception that would last a couple of hours, and then the couple would go on a honeymoon. That's not how a wedding worked in Jewish culture. They would have their wedding, and then they would feast and celebrate for a week. They would stay put. They would celebrate with all their friends and family. This was considered to be the greatest week of your life. They were treated like kings and queens. In fact, sometimes bride, the bride and the groom would wear crowns in first century culture. They, they would celebrate. Uh, this was a great celebration. And Jesus was saying, hey, when the bridegroom is here, there's no need to fast because I'm with you. I'm with you. Now, this is good news for followers of Jesus because I want to tell you, we're far more than just guests at the wedding. The Bible says that the church, we are the bride of Christ. And so that tells us that following Jesus is not about condemnation. Following Jesus is about celebration. And in his presence, there is fullness of joy. We can celebrate. And so Jesus was saying, hey, you don't need to fast when the bridegroom is with you. I'm here. Sam Storm said this, joy is not necessarily the absence of suffering. It is the presence of God. The bridegroom is with us. 1 Peter 1.8, whom having not seen, you love. In whom though now you see him not, you might not physically be able to see Jesus today, yet believing by faith, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Don't you love how joy is described in the Bible? Uh, the Bible offers a different kind of joy, joy unspeakable. That Jesus wants to give us in this new year. And so, if you want to kickstart your faith today, find joy in the presence of Jesus. Here's the second thought this morning. Embrace your new life in Christ. You got to embrace your new life in Christ. I was reading this week that uh, since 1970, there's been over 19,000 United States citizens that have entered into witness protection program. 
and uh, 19,000 people have applied and qualified to be put under witness protection uh, program. And when you uh, get into witness protection, they do a few things. They give you a large sum of money to help you in your new walk. They give you a new social security number, a new birth certificate, a new place to live. You're given a completely new identity. Can I tell you today that when you accepted Jesus Christ as your savior, you were given a whole new identity, a new person, a new home in heaven, a new way to live, a new identity in Christ. Romans 6, 4 puts it this way. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. An update is available. There's a new way to live. But often because we still battle our old nature and our flesh, we struggle to embrace this new life. We struggle to thrive in this new life that Jesus has to offer. Now, he's going to give a couple of illustrations on this. Notice the illustration that Jesus gives in verse 21. He says this, No man also soweth a piece of new cloth on an old garment, else the new piece that filled it up taketh away from the old, and the rent or the tear is made worse. Now, Jesus is using an illustration, and he's saying, no one is going to take an old garment that has a tear in it, that has a hole in it, and then take a new piece of cloth and sew it onto the old garment, because the new cloth is going to shrink over time, and when it shrinks, it's going to make that tear or that hole even bigger. Uh, how many of you have ever accidentally shrunk something in the wash machine? How many of you like that? Katie, let's make sure your hands are up way high. Uh, some of my favorite shirts in the world uh, have been shrunk in the washing machine. And so Jesus is saying that you cannot take a new cloth and put it onto an old garment. The new fabric that Christ brings cannot be patched onto old religion. And what the Pharisees wanted to do was take the new life that Jesus was talking about that new life, and mix it in with the Old Testament religious workspace system. Jesus was saying, you can't do that. It doesn't mix. Please hear me today. That is what millions of people are doing in their religious workspace system today. I like Jesus. Jesus sounds good. But I also just kind of like, you know, uh, some of this religion over here, and, and I like a little bit of mysticism and, and some horoscopes and some astrology and maybe Christian Scientology, and Jesus sounds good too. Let's all just kind of patch it together and make it work. This is the false doctrine, the false idea of syncretism, where we can just kind of take the best ideas from every religion, and let's just take all the good things from every religion, let's bring it all together into one central spot, and we'll have this one big, great super religion. Here's the problem with that. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. It's an exclusive claim. Jesus says, I'm the way. There, there, there is no other road to salvation other than Jesus. And, and he was saying, you can't take the new life and mix it with a works-based system. This was the illustration that Jesus was giving in verse number 21. The Bible says in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby you must be saved. One name, the name of Jesus Christ. Everybody thankful for that name this morning. Notice verse 22. He's going to give another illustration along the same lines. Everybody still with me? Verse 22, and he says, And no man putteth new wine into old bottles, else the new wine doth, uh, doth burst with the bottles, and the wine is spilled. And the bottles will be marred, but new wine must be put into new bottles. And so a similar illustration. And Jesus here, when he's talking about the bottles, he's talking about uh, a wine skin. In ancient culture, they would take goat skin 
and they would stretch it, and they would make this goat skin uh, their traveling uh, container to uh, carry the water or the wine in. They didn't have water bottles that they could carry with them. They didn't have a Yeti with some stickers all over it that they could carry with them. And so they would have uh, a goat skin, a wine skin. And what they would do is they would take a wine skin that was new, and they would take wine that was new, and they would put the new wine in the new goat skin. And so when the wine fermented, when it expanded, it would also stretch that goat skin so that it would go and expand together. But if you were to take an old goat skin, an old wine skin that was already stretched, and put new wine in it, when that new wine would expand, it would burst the wine skin. It would expand, it would explode, it didn't work. And what Jesus was saying was this to the Pharisees, you are the old wine skins. And you do not have room in your life, in your heart, for the message of the gospel, for the new life that I am coming to bring. Jesus was pointing out uh, the error in the Pharisees. Matthew chapter 5, verse 17 says, Think not that I am come to destroy the law. Jesus was saying, I'm not coming and talking about destroying the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill, to fulfill it. Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament law, and, and he offers salvation by grace. And so there's two applications here. Everybody with me? Two applications. The first application is this. If you do not know Christ as your Savior, if there's never been a time when you, when you trusted in Jesus Christ alone for salvation, now I'm not talking about patching things together and mixing religions together and just trying to be a good person and, and trying a works-based religion and a grace. I'm not talking about patching things together, accepting Jesus alone for salvation. Then the application today is today can be the day of salvation for you. You can receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. You can walk out of this room today. You can leave the online service today knowing that you have a relationship with God because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so you can accept him today. This is what our church is all about. It's the good news of the gospel message. The reason we started five years ago was to reach people with the life-giving and life-changing message of Jesus Christ. That was our mission five years ago. It's our mission today, and it will always be our mission. It's all about the gospel. And so today, this is the good news. You can experience brand new life. Out with the old, in with the new. The forgiveness of your sins, new life in Christ. If you are saved today, if you've already experienced that new life in Christ, then I believe the application for us is let's, not, let's make sure that our hearts do not become like the Pharisees, stretch so tight with so many different things that we don't have room for Jesus. Because in 2022, no doubt we're going to make a lot of plans. Our calendar is going to be full. We're going to have work and hobbies and side hustle and sports and recreation and family. All of those things are good things. All of those things can be done to the glory of God. But not if those things crowd out Jesus. Not if the wineskin of our lives is so stretched and so tight that when God wants to do a new thing, there's not room to receive it. And so let's make sure that in this new year, we're prioritizing our walk with God. Colossians 1.18 puts it this way, and he is the head of the body. How many of you know today that Christ is the head of the church? Christ is the head of the church. He is the head of the body, the church who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things, everybody say all things, every area of your life, Monday all the way through Sunday, not just on Sunday, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Notice it doesn't say prominence, because that's often what we want to do, is we want to make Jesus prominent. I'll give Jesus a big part of my life. Okay, he's going to have a real big part, and then I'm still going to dabble in everything. No, it says give him the preeminence. That means he is first place in your life, and everything else flows through him. He's first. 
So make him first this year in 2022. And here's the third element today. The third way that we can kickstart our faith is this. Implement a healthy rhythm for your soul. In 2022, we have to implement a healthy rhythm for the soul. How many of you would say that you have pretty good musical rhythm? Anybody like that? You have musical rhythm? Okay. How many of you would say, I do not have great musical rhythm? Okay. Many of you didn't raise your hands, but I would put you in the category that does not have musical rhythm, perhaps. Because I know sometimes in church when we start clapping, it's a struggle to keep that clap on beat, right? And we're trying to keep up with the rhythm. There's something frustrating when you don't have good rhythm. The truth is in life, sometimes we can be frustrated because our life is out of rhythm. The rhythm that God designed and intended for us to live in, even all the way back in the garden. That rhythm. How many of you have ever felt like your life was just out of rhythm? Anybody like that? When you're struggling to pay bills on time, you're struggling to read the word of God, and, and uh, your relationships are falling apart, and the laundry is piling up, and things are just all out of sorts, and it just feels like, man, I'm just living out of rhythm. Well, this year, I believe that in Mark chapter number two, Jesus is going to give us some principles that will help us stay on rhythm and implement a healthy rhythm for our lives. Are you interested? All right. Blaise Pascal said this, the strength of a man's virtue should not be measured by his special exertions, but by his habitual acts. A lot of times what happens in a new year is we will have a special exertion. I'm going to make some New Year's resolutions. I'm going to read the whole Bible through in five days, and I have all these big goals, right, and a special exertion. But the reality is, is we need to establish a healthy rhythm so we can establish uh, the habitual uh, things in life that will help us grow closer to the Lord. And Jesus is going to talk about this. Notice verse 23. And it came to pass that he went through the cornfields on the Sabbath day, and his disciples began as they went to pluck the ears of corn. And so Jesus is walking with his disciples on the Sabbath day, and the disciples are reaching down, and they're grabbing some of the corn that was in the field, and they're eating it. This was something that was culturally acceptable, culturally uh, allowable. This was, this was okay to do. But the Pharisees were upset because they did it on the Sabbath day. But I find it interesting that as Jesus and the disciples are walking along in the field, that the disciples are so hungry that as they're going, they're picking up corn to eat. And this speaks to the uh, fast pace. Uh, reality of life and ministry with Jesus. Because the disciples were often doing ministry so much and with Jesus so much that they often didn't even have time to sit down for a meal. They were just kind of eating as they went. Following Jesus is not for the faint of heart. A life can come very quickly and move very fast. And the disciples were walking along. They're trying to get something to eat. They're trying to keep up. And the Pharisees started to complain in verse 24. And the Pharisees said unto him, Behold, why did they on the Sabbath day that which is not lawful? They said, hey, uh, the disciples, again, are breaking the Old Testament law, and they're eating on the Sabbath day. They were referring to Exodus 34, verse 21. Six days thou shalt work, but on the seventh day thou shalt rest. In the earing time and in the harvest thou shalt rest. And so the Pharisees thought, if they are picking up corn, they are harvesting. If they're harvesting, that means they're working. And if they're working, that means they're violating the Sabbath. There, gotcha. You're violating the Sabbath. Notice how Jesus responds, verse 25. And he said unto them, have you never read what David did? And I love how Jesus does this. He does this often with the Pharisees. He, he says, have you never read? Do you not read your Bible? Do you not read the scripture? Have you never read uh, this in the scripture when David, when he had need, was, was in hunger, and he and all that were with him? And how he went to the house of God in the days of Abiathar, the high priest, and did eat the showbread, which is not lawful to eat, but for the priests, and gave also to them 
which were with him. Jesus refers back to this story in the Old Testament where David is on the run. Saul wants to kill him. David goes into the temp, uh, uh, tabernacle. He finds, uh, he finds Abiathar, the high priest, and he asks for some food. And uh, there was no food available other than the ceremonial showbread, which they weren't supposed to eat. Only the priest could eat that. But because David and his men were in such great need, the high priest gave it to him. And Jesus commended that action, and he commended that, saying, saying that human need rises above uh, a ceremonial ritual. And uh, Jesus commends this, and he's showing again that he is Lord over the Sabbath. And he was trying to teach the Pharisees, saying that you're missing the point and the purpose of the Sabbath. What is the point and the purpose of Sabbath? Notice verse 28, verse 27. And he said unto them, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was supposed to be supposed to be an enjoyed blessing, but the Pharisees made it an enforced burden. It was supposed to be a blessing. The Sabbath was made for man. The word Sabbath comes from the Hebrew word Shabbat. It means to stop, to cease, to take a break, to rest. Now, when Jesus came and fulfilled the law in the early church, the early church didn't worship on the Sabbath day. They worshiped on the Lord's day. They worshiped on the first day of the week. We learn this in Acts chapter 20, verse number 7. And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. And so in the early church, we see this transition where the early church started meeting and worshiping on the Lord's Day on Sunday, which, please hear me, this is fascinating, because the first day of the week for them was Sunday. That was a work day. In Western culture, you know, in the United States, we have, you know, Saturday and Sunday is the weekend, and uh, Monday is the first day of the week. Imagine if, if... Church, if we started having services every Monday at 9 and 11 a.m., how many of you know that would be a radical change to our schedule, right? That would be difficult to do. We'd have to, uh, many cases, people might lose jobs and have to rearrange schedules, but that's exactly what the early church did because for them, it was worth it to honor the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They were willing to change their schedules to prioritize the gathering together of God's people to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. They were so grateful for their new life in Christ, so grateful for salvation. They were willing to leave it all on the line, rearrange their entire schedule so that they could come together and worship Jesus. Do we have that same kind of passion? Do we have that same kind of mindset that says, you know what, I'm going to prioritize in 2022 the gathering together of God's people. I'm not going to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. If I'm going to implement a healthy rhythm, a part of that rhythm is going to be coming together and worshiping the Lord. I'm going to prioritize the house of the Lord. I'm going to make that a routine. Romans says this in Romans chapter 14, in verse 5, one man esteemeth one day above another. And here he's talking about Sabbath and how there's a debate and argument. One man esteemeth one day above another, another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regardeth the day regardeth it unto the Lord. And he, he that regardeth not the day to the Lord, he doth not regard it. Paul's saying it's not about a day. Uh, we are not under the law of Sabbath, but we should acknowledge the principle of Sabbath. What is the principle of Sabbath? Shabbat, to cease, to stop, to rest. In 2022, I want to encourage you to implement a healthy rhythm for your soul, and that should include some margin, should include some rest. And I'm thankful that Jesus provides exactly that. Sabbath, Wayne uh, Muller said this, Sabbath is a time to stop, to refrain from being seduced by our desires, to stop working, to stop making money, to stop spending money. See what you have, look around, listen to your life. Do you really need more than this? 
do you know why God commands us in Scripture to rest? It's not like a suggestion. It's not like if you have time. I know you're a workaholic, but you should probably rest a little bit. No, it's saying we should rest. Do you know why God commands us to rest? Because when we rest, we acknowledge that God is in control. Because when we rest, we're not working. But guess who is working? Jesus. Because he never stops working. And so when we rest, we're saying, you know what? I'm not striving in my own strength. I'm not trying to figure it out. But I'm acknowledging that God is in control and he's working. And I'm going to trust him and rely on him to take care of my needs. And I'm thankful that Jesus promises to provide for us rest exactly when we need it. How many of you have ever just had a time in your life where you needed rest? Anybody like that? This past summer, I was on a, on a short uh, preaching trip with some other pastors, and, and it was a busy schedule, early flights, and a lot of driving, and I was so tired, exhausted, and I went into the room. I was sharing a room with a couple of other pastors, and one of them in that room, I won't mention his name because I don't want to embarrass anybody, but he was snoring louder than I've ever heard anybody snore in my entire life. It was, it was extreme. I was actually fascinated at how, how uh, loud he was snoring. He was making jolting, uh, snoring sounds and noises, and I could not sleep. I was so tired. I just put in uh, noise-canceling headphones, and I was listening to podcasts at 2 o'clock in the morning, and I just stayed up all night. I was so tired the next morning. There are certain seasons of life where we greatly desire rest. And it's in those moments we have to not rely on what we feel, but on what Jesus said. And this is what Jesus said. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That is a promise that we can claim if we'll, by faith, claim it. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And as we close today, I want to read one more verse. But as I do, I want to invite you to join me in standing as I read it. there was a passage of scripture that I believe could summarize what we're talking about today, an update is available, that we don't have to operate according to that old operating system known as our flesh, and it's slow, and it's clunky, and it's frustrating, but we can walk in the power of the Spirit. There's one passage that I would want to close with. It's this passage in Colossians chapter 3, verse number 8. He says, but now ye also put off, everybody say put off. The connotation here, the metaphor is that of clothing. There's certain clothing uh, items, he says, take off and certain that you have to put on. He says, put off all these things. Anger. By the way, as we read through this list, consider what are some things that I need to put off in 2022? I need to put off anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. And watch this, and have put on the new man. It's not just out with the old. Sometimes we get frustrated because we say, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to think those thoughts anymore. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to listen to that. I'm not going to watch that. I'm going to put it off. But then we get frustrated because now where there was something in our minds, now there's an empty space. And so it's not just put off. He goes on, he says, put on the new man. You've got to replace it out with the old, in with the new. He says, put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. And I encourage you on this first Sunday of the new year, out with the old, in with the new. Put off the old man, put on the new man, and embrace the new life that Jesus has to offer. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes today.